0: Hello and welcome back to the Bye Week Podcasts. This is now episode two. We're recording this on Monday, right after Week One. Today we're going to be going over teams we're high on after the Sunday and Thursday games, and also teams we're low on. Sorry, just a disclaimer. Keep in mind, we are recording this Monday afternoon, so we have not seen any of the Monday Night Football game yet, so we're not going to include any of those players. Back to the topics, so we're going over teams we're high on, teams we're low on, teams that we thought met the expectations, and then we're going to go to players we're high on and players we're low on, and then we're going to talk about some buy low, sell high action for your fantasy team, followed up by some waiver wire ads. Awesome. So let's start with teams we're high on. Cole, do you want to start? Uh, All
1: right, I'll start. And Blake is as everyone knows a Titans fan. He's not gonna like this. I'm high on the Giants right now I really liked how they looked last night against the Titans. You know, I think Saquon He's back finally, you know, he's been out for a couple of years injuries and whatnot I think we can you know after that performance. How many yards do you have like hundred ninety three a great game? Yeah, he yeah. was phenomenal. I had him in two of my leagues won me both of them So yeah, I think their defense looked better you know, they really did a good job shutting down the Titans. I mean, yeah, they got kind of lucky with that field goal at the end. But the fact that the Giants, you know, even kept it such a close game and eventually won against, you know, a team who was the number one seed last year. I think the Giants by far surpassed expectations.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I, I completely agree. I mean, everything Cole said is completely true. The defense looks way better than it has been. Even Daniel Jones, in my opinion, looked way better than he has in the last few years. And also the new coaching change. Brian Dable looks so much better. Brian Dable is out there with play calls that we haven't seen in a long time, and he made some big, like he uh, he went for two on that play. That honestly they could have forced an overtime, but instead he went for two. So and that ended up winning him the game. So he just seems like a coach who is ready to win compared to their previous coach.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think Saquon definitely shined in that game, but I mean. Come on, it's the Giants. I, I, I'm i not quite sold yet, but I do think they are a very improved team. Blake, uh, what do you have for one of the teams you're high on?
0: Uh, one of the teams I'm high on is the Lions. Although they lost, they put up 35 points against the Eagles, who were much, much improved. Some people have the Eagles going as far as the Super Bowl. I mean, the Eagles are for sure a team that people talk about when winning the Super Bowl. So for them to lose by three, 38 to 38-35 to the Eagles, I think is a huge jump for them, and it shows that they can compete With good teams, really good football teams,
2: 100%. I had them down too as one of the teams uh, that that beat their expectations. I mean, Swift was an absolute beast. He had what, like two touchdowns that game, and um, like 150 yards. Yeah, 100%. They kept right up with an eagle with a playoff caliber Eagles team. Um, So yeah, I think I think they're very improved, and this team's only gonna get better because. I know Amon Ross St. Brown did not have his best game. So if that guy's on and Swift is on, the Lions could definitely be a force to be reckoned with.
1: Yeah, and especially when you take into consideration Jameson Williams is coming back for the later half of the season, that Lions team can be dangerous. You know, with so many weapons on the field at one time. I I don't see any defense being able to cover, you know, Jameson Williams, then I have to worry about Hawkinson, and then I have to worry about St. Brown, and then about Swift. It's just there's so much going on, you know. If they could get a solid, even just like a solid starting quarterback in there, you know, who's not Jared Goff, I could see that team, you know, just even next year, even this year, maybe, surprising a lot of people and maybe, maybe making a playoff
0: push. Yeah, for sure. And even their secondary that no one really thought it was that good. Jeff Okuda played great, pretty much locked down Devonta Smith, so... I mean even the parts of the team that people were low on I still think they got much improved and they're a real team, real caliber team.
2: Especially in a weak and like a particularly weak NFC North this year, right? The Packers don't look that good. I mean the Bears definitely seem like an improved team, but I don't know if they're quite playoff caliber. So I mean, if the Lions keep their offense that way and their defense, I think they still need a little bit of work, but if they find their groove this can be a very very a um, elate playoff team.
1: Yeah, I totally agree uh, Quinn who's another one of your teams who surpassed expectations?
2: Uh, I had the Texans um, I Have not been hot on the Texans for the past two or three years since Deshaun hasn't been playing But they also kept up with a very talented team in the Colts Um They held Jonathan Taylor pretty at bay for the first half. Um, The Colts did make a bit of a comeback. But Mills seemed to be pretty serviceable. He was smart with the ball. He went 23 for 37, 240 yards and two touchdowns. Not much more you can ask from the fella. And uh, he was definitely safe with the ball, which is exactly what that team needs. I agree
0: completely. I mean... This Texans team had zero expectations. Like People thought of them as one of the bottom three teams. And the Colts are a team that a lot of people have winning playoff games. So to see the Texans and the Colts be, be that close, is really, it's, it's really an anomaly. And I think Davis Mills played exceptional with zero interceptions. So the Texans, although still not a good team, it shows that they're way better than a lot of people thought they were.
1: Yeah, and piggybacking off of that a team I had down as one of my teams who underperformed this week was the Colts I mean when you have a cupcake game like this divisional opponent to start the season, you know You got your new quarterback in there You should expect yourselves to go in there and dominate and they just they couldn't get it done I was not impressed by Matt Ryan. I I think he's older He's just I don't know if that trade for him is going to pay off kind of like how they tried to trade for Wentz I think I really think the Colts' best bet is to just go ahead and draft, you know, a franchise quarterback instead of keeping this trend of trading for quarterbacks and hoping they work out and, you know, it's really not been working out for them. Like if this doesn't work out with Matt Ryan, they might have to just go into rebuild mode cuz it's they're not going to get it done with the way they've been doing it where they're just living quarterback to quarterback. Same thing going with Washington. Like they're just living quarterback to quarterback. Don't really have like a franchise guy there. I Yeah, so that's why I have the Colts as one of my biggest underperformers from the week.
2: Yeah, I I think the Colts can be good, and I do think that Matt Ryan trade can work out, right? I think it has a high probability of working out. I think they're a playoff team, but they definitely have some work to go. Uh, It seems like that chemistry wasn't quite there on offense early on, um, and their defense probably should be be doing a lot better uh, with a – very under-talented Texans offense, I would say. Um, I mean, you have a brand-new rookie running back. Um, Your only real wide receiver is Brandon Cooks, but, I mean, once again, you have to give credit where credit is due with uh, Davis Mills, He played a great game.
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I also look at the Colts as, you know, kind of what Cole was saying. They keep trading for these old quarterbacks, and it's just not working out. They really do need to just draft a rookie quarterback i mean every time they do one of these quarterback trades they're just getting rid of picks they're getting rid of money and these quarterbacks are usually temporary you know Wentz was a couple years I, mean, I can't imagine matt ryan's gonna be any longer than that especially at his age i feel like it's just not a good financial decision and also not a good team decision to just keep just refreshing through quarterbacks that just are always mediocre It'd be way better to just draft a good young quarterback because what they have around the quarterback is really a good team a decent defense a great running game a decent receiving core with Michael Pittman Jr. So I honestly think what Cole was saying is completely true.
1: Yeah, because, you know, the Colts are a team who are notoriously great at drafting quarterbacks.
0: Oh, and it. Phillip Rivers is the same thing. Rivers, yeah. Yeah. Wentz, and Ryan all in a row. It's like the same trend. They, can, they can't keep doing this, so they're going to be keep being just a mediocre team. Yeah, yeah. I, I oh.
2: forgot about Phillip Rivers. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, see, like, that just shows, like, they're becoming a very forgettable team with just forgettable quarterbacks. And like I was saying before, like, the Colts are known as a team who are phenomenal at drafting quarterbacks. You look at Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. You look at Andrew Luck. Like this is a team that you know. while they're, they might they might want to like do the win now strategy. You can't really do a win now strategy when you don't have a quarterback who can get you that win now Super Bowl.
0: And they're also, just like a not even just quarterback, they're a good drafting team in general. I'm surprised that they won't take a pick and try to. You know, draft a new quarterback. How I mean, you got Michael Pittman Jr. they drafted, Jonathan Taylor. They just
1: paid and Nelson. Quentin Nelson. Protect that new quarterback maybe. Shaq,
0: Shaq Bennett. I mean, there's so many guys that they've, you know, lucked out on the draft, and they're amazing. So it surprises me that they won't go in on a quarterback.
2: Yeah. Um, a team that I had underperformed is the Cowboys. I think this one is uh, pretty obvious. They scored three points, um, could not generate any offense, no run game, Dak Prescott was absolutely atrocious, and this team's only going to get worse now that Dak is out. Or I mean, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they get better with Cooper Rush, but I it's highly unlikely.
0: I completely agree. You know, the Cowboys gave up a lot this off season. And they really didn't get that much back. You know, they they made the receiving core much worse. Getting rid of Cedric Wilson, getting rid of the Mari Cooper. Michael Gallup is on the team still, but injured. I mean, they really the receiving core is just so dry. And they were hoping that with their good defense and their you know Dak Prescott and their good running game with Tony Pollard and Zico Elliott, it wouldn't show up. But it really showed up last night, as the Cowboys just couldn't get anything going. And if there was a third and long, it was just it was just a punt because they literally can't throw the ball.
1: Yeah, I agree. I just you know I like Ceedee Lamb. I think he's a good solid receiver. But I think That's he's, it. he's the kind of receiver you need to like pair up with someone else. Like I think him and Amari Cooper were actually a pretty good tag team because you know Ceedee's not like. I don't see him as a true wide receiver one. I see him as like one of those like wide receiver, like share the wide receiver one. I spots. agree. He's kind yeah.
0: of a guy to take the top off the D and not like, Oh, I need 15 targets. kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly.
1: He's not going to demand yeah. that many targets. He's a deep threat and that's great, but you can't have your main receiving target be a pure deep threat. It's not going to work. And yeah. we he, saw that happen. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, you're
0: we good. saw that happen with the Ravens, you know, I mean they had Marquise Brown as a wide receiver one who was just a pure deep threat. And it never worked out. They could never get a receiving game going, which is kind of why they got rid of him, and it didn't really work out. And now they're trying a different strategy with Rashad. And then Beamer. it
1: happened with Arizona this week. Yeah. They tried to run with Marquise Brown. Already not working.
2: Yeah, uh, 100%. And the Cowboys think CeeDee Lamb is a player of caliber like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, who immediately be- became wide receiver ones on their team. And he just has not proven to... To be able to handle that many targets or get that much production.
1: Yeah. And so, following up with that, one team that I feel really met expectations, like it just was what I was expecting them from them, was the Ravens. You know, the Jets are a team that's had a lot of hype around them this offseason. Then they go into New York and they hand it to them, right? They, They beat them up pretty good. You know, Lamar looks like he's, you know, back in. His MVP form. He had three touchdowns yesterday. Had a great game on the ground in the air. Devin Duvernay, that receiver. They, I think they might finally have a wide receiver one there. Like the the Ravens looked good and their defense looked good. Like so, and they had a lot of hype. And so for that reason, I think they perfectly met the expectations that were set for them.
2: Yeah that that uh, young wide receiver core is finally starting to uh, grow into their full potential. I think that uh that Rashad Bateman touchdown was wild that was a great mm-hmm, connection mm-hmm.
0: I mean I completely agree I think the only thing the worry is is about Lamar Jackson and his contract this team is really developing but they better be able to sign Lamar I know Lamar has been really strict about his money and it better work out or this team's going to be back to square one which I really think they have a chance to make the Super Bowl in the next couple of years yeah but, but I do think uh, the Ravens and Lamar are my expectations this week
1: yeah, so just kind of like discussing that Lamar situation. I just, I, I, th- I really like Lamar, and I think they should do everything they can to keep him around. But giving a guy like Lamar a fully guaranteed contract, which is what he wants, I just, that's really dangerous because he's the kind of quarterback who's going to be injury prone, especially as he goes through his career. And giving him a fully guaranteed contract is a dangerous game. And as much as I like Lamar, as much as I think they should really try to keep him around, I see their hesitation when he won't accept anything less than a fully guaranteed contract.
2: Yeah. I mean, considering how much he runs the ball and how much he's going to get hit over his career, it's tough to, to stay healthy um, with the type of football player that he is.
0: Yeah. I see that issue, but I also feel that quarterback is one of the positions where you need to pay him. I mean, running back, of course, it's a position you just never should pay receiver. It's iffy quarterback is someone who leads the team and we have seen with lamar when lamar plays that's a really good ravens team and when lamar's out it's really not that good of a team if they have any chance of making this push because their window is open now and it's the next couple years it's going to get even bigger and it's going to be really open to make that super bowl run and if they have any chance of making that super bowl they better pay lamar what he wants
2: yeah i i i definitely think lamar will get paid um But another team that I felt met their expectations was the Bills. I mean, this is pretty obvious. 100% manhandled the Rams. Very powerful and dynamic offense in an extremely strong defense, uh, tearing that uh, Super Bowl offense of the Rams to pieces. And Josh Allen certainly looked like the best quarterback in the league to me. I
0: couldn't agree more. The Bills looked exceptional in my eyes. This Rams team did get a little worse, but they are still a top caliber team. And for the Bills to just make them look silly like that, it shows that the Bills are for sure the best team in football right now and that their chance of winning is now. Their defense looked amazing. Their secondary with Poyer and Tredavious White and Micah Hyde looked exceptional. Von Miller looked exceptional. And the offense with Josh Allen, I mean, besides the interceptions that really weren't his fault, they looked really good. Gabe Davis looked good. I'm all in on the Bills.
1: Yeah, and... You know, I'm going to disagree with you, Quinn, by saying they met expectations. I say they surpassed them, right? Like, they're coming in. Everyone was expecting, like, a good game. And, you know, I'd say, like, you met expectations if you beat them by a field goal or in a close game. The way they just absolutely rolled them, I think, I mean, I was expecting a close game, and I think most people were expecting a good close game, but they just rolled them. So I really like both of your takes on just, like, this is a phenomenal Bills team.
2: 100%. And... uh So now why don't we move on to some of the players that we liked uh, after week one. Blake, what you got? Awesome. Yeah,
0: one of the players I love after week one that I'm really high on is A.J. Brown. One of the issues with A.J. Brown in Tennessee, which is not his fault, obviously, is that Tennessee is such a run-dominant team that he could never really get enough targets to put himself over the top and to be one of those top-tier receivers, especially in fantasy. So the issue, not even really an issue, we were just curious to see how it would be when he was for sure guaranteed that large amount of targets, and he performed completely. He had 155 yards on like 10 catches. I mean, it really just shows that A.J. Brown is a top-tier receiver, and when he gets those targets, he is the man.
1: Yeah, and I fully agree. I I have A.J. Brown in my league, in, in our league, and A.J. Brown won me my league this year. I mean, or this week, right? Especially with Saquon on that team. That like, I was massively impressed. I was not expecting A.J. to come in for his first game with the Eagles and just absolutely dominate, especially with uh, Devonta there. I just, I, I was like, okay, like you know, maybe he'll put up 10, 12, 15 if he's feeling good. But to go out there and he put up 22.5, I mean, good God, like that was – insane
2: yeah that that chemistry with Jalen Hurts seemed like it was immediately there Um, and I I think he could keep up this production throughout the year as long as he stays healthy Um, another player that I was super high on sticking with the receivers is Devontae Adams I think there was quite a bit of question um, regarding how good he would be with Derek Carr Um, you know he's always had that great connection with Aaron Rodgers so there was a lot of uncertainty going into the year with how that chemistry would really play out, and it proved uh, how like close those two are. Um, Devontae Adams had 17 targets, which I think was the most out of any wide receiver this week, and uh, clearly has not declined since uh, leaving Aaron Rodgers and really proved to be the workhorse of the offense. Devontae Adams had an exceptional week,
0: and I, that, that chemistry with Derek Carr is almost on the same levels that Jalen Hurts with A.J. Brown. You know, they both played at Fresno State. And it just seemed like every time Derek Carr stepped back in the pocket, he looked at Devonta, Devonta first. Every time, even though he played a bad game, he threw interceptions, but those interceptions were going to Devonta. It just seems like no matter how the game's going for the Raiders, for Derek Carr, he's looking at Devonta, and is his number one target. So I see Devonta just obliterating it. The whole league in fantasy this year.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he put up 30 points this week, and that is against a studly Chargers defense. I mean, you look at just their secondary alone. They got Derwin James out there. They got Asante Samuel, J.C. Jackson. I mean, that is a good team. Actually, J.C. wasn't playing this week, was he? Nope. He's injured. Mm. Still, that is, I mean, then up, up front, you got uh, Joey Bosa, you got Khalil Mack. I mean, this is a loaded Chargers defense that they ripped to shreds. So I, am, I, I agree with that take there. About Devontae Adams and I would like to follow that one up another receiver. I'm pretty high on Jalen Waddle I I wasn't expecting him to be as good as he is You know like he put up a pretty good week 19 and a half points You know, I really wasn't expecting that I thought Tyreek was gonna be the man down there But Jalen solidly outscored Tyreek this week and you know, it really didn't look like You know Tua was you know trying to force it just to Tyreek like he was you did a solid job of He's threatened the wealth. And so I was I'm really high on Jalen Waddle right now.
2: Yeah, that Dolphins uh wide receiver core looks great. Both Jalen Waddle's production clearly did not slow down, and Tyreek Hill still still played very good. Um another wide receiver I have is Oh, just a note on Jalen Waddle. I kind of disagree a little bit just because
0: Jalen Waddle had a good game with the numbers on fantasy, you know, 20 points. But you gotta realize that one of his catch was pretty much seventy five percent of his points. He had one probably forty five yard touchdown. And he only had five catches. Sorry, four catches for sixty nine yards. I mean if he didn't have that touchdown, it would have been a week where we're talking about Jalen Waddle with five or six points maybe. So I still am, I'm high on Jalen Waddle this season, but I'm a little skeptical, just just you know, I feel like it might be a little hit or miss compared to last year.
2: The I think that's a that's a fair point, but I mean I still I still think Jalen could keep this up and His targets will only go up, I think, Um, but moving on, I think uh, one of the more obvious players that I think everyone likes after week one is Justin Jefferson. What an absolute performance from that guy. 11 targets, uh, had like 185 yards of receiving. He completely balled, nothing more to say about it, and um, super open all game, and I Personally, I think he could be the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. I agree.
0: Justin Jefferson just destroyed all of the Packers' defense. I mean, every play, it seemed like he was just wide open. Like Every catch, he just had 45 yards of just running room. Justin Jefferson's route running is insane. His touchdown upside is great. He's going to get a massive target share in Minnesota on a team that's way better than they have been recently, and they're going to be throwing the ball a lot in really close games. Justin Jefferson is my wide
2: receiver one in fantasy this year. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know uh, I know Blake was kind of hurting from that performance as you were playing him, right? Yeah, I had 40 points, so <laughs> not too fun.
1: Yeah. Um, another guy I'm pretty high on right now, Saquon Barkley. I mean, you can't say anything other than just like he balled this week. Yeah. Same way Jay J- Jettis balled out. I mean, Saquon shredded up that Titans defense. You know, he put up 35 points in fantasy. Like, you can't ask for anything more out of a running back who hasn't played in 2 years and he looked like he hasn't lost a step and those injuries he sustained in the past have all kind of been like fluke injuries, like stepping on a lineman's foot. I I think Saquon is back and he's here to stay and I'm really really high on him.
2: Yeah, 100% and that's not a bad Titans D-line that he's playing. I mean that D line has uh, Bud Dupree. Um, they have
0: uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, that, so that's good. that's who I was thinking
2: yeah. of. Uh, I I can't think of his name, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a bad uh, Titans D line. And I think if Saquon can stay healthy, he can he can show what he was meant to do in this week.
0: I also had Saquon Barkley down as someone who just destroyed expectations. I mean, he came off a couple years of injuries that honestly. Made me fearful of Saquon Barkley ever really ba- being back to full form. You know, we saw it happen with people like Todd Gurley, but Saquon, honestly, yesterday looked like rookie form. Saquon. He was running through the tackles. He was great out of the backfield. He was great through the through the middle. I mean, he had a great game on a Titans D that really is a good defense, especially their D line, and he just looked exceptional.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to. To uh, some players that underperformed, players that we did not like after week one. Um, Cole, what you got?
1: Oh, okay. This one's kind of a controversial take because I know some people are pretty high on him. But I was not impressed by Trevor Lawrence. And I know Blake has him in a dynasty league. You know, he's a good player. You know, I'm a Jaguars fan. I'm the first one who's going to freak out if Trevor's doing well. But just when you're playing the Commanders, you gotta be able to just go out and shred that team and I I didn't see that from him and it was a little disheartening to hear and watch because you know as a Jaguars fan, you know I'm always looking for you know him to any positive. I will jump on that I'll be the first one to be like yeah, he's the next goat I I just didn't see that from him this weekend didn't have any like huge completions you know, he had a couple nice passes with Kirk, but I just overall it was a pretty lackluster performance out of a guy who's supposed to be one of the generational talents
2: yeah fair enough I think he might I I was actually thinking about this the other day and um, this isn't good for Jaguars fans to hear right now I think but I think Trevor Lawrence could have a Matthew Stafford like career where he's just on a where he's a really good player on a terrible team and um in the next couple of years maybe he gets traded and uh wins the Super Bowl so if you're a Jaguars fan, not as fun for you. But if you're a Trevor Lawrence fan, then, uh, yeah.
0: I was honestly a little disappointed with Te- Trevor Lawrence, too. The Jaguars are a much-improved team who, you know, have high expectations relative to last year. And there's also a common theme with young quarterbacks, especially highly drafted young quarterbacks, that their second year is their big breakout year. And their first year, you know, just kind of getting their feet on the ground. They make some, you know, some young mistakes. But second year is where they really bounce. I'm not really sure if I saw that in Trevor Lawrence week one. I'm hoping I do in the next couple weeks, but I too was a little disappointed in Trevor Lawrence.
2: Yeah, 100. I think um, I think Justin Fields definitely played better than he did. I think Trey Lance, maybe the score didn't necessarily reflect how he played, but I did think he um, I did think he was serviceable. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence definitely was uh, supposed to have a better game than he did. Another person that I am quite disappointed with is
0: Derrick Henry, someone who we talked about last week coming off an injury that could be a little sketchy for his career, and it really did show up as something that is going to be an issue. Derrick just didn't seem like the old Derrick. He wasn't nearly as explosive, and he was getting bounced around as a running back who's massive. I mean, Derrick has always been such a guy that, oh, you can never tackle Derrick Henry. He'll stiff arm you. He just seemed weaker, less explosive, and I'm not sure if we're really ever gonna have a season like Derrick Henry had in the past. Yeah,
1: I just, you know, everyone was talking about it like, oh, he's a 28 year old running back, and that's kind of the cutoff. And, you know, I was like, ah, you know, like you, you can't just go off of like past experiences because he's he's Derrick Henry. Like, and then he looked human this weekend, and it was it was hard to watch because that is not a impeccable Giants defense. You know, not at they're, all. they're definitely improved from last season, but it's still just. You know the derrick henry of old would you know tear up that team and I don't know It's just it was sad for me to see that happening because i've always liked d henry You know, and it's just it's hard to watch a guy like that start to just look human
2: Personally, I think he had a a bit of an anomaly of a game Uh where you know, he's coming back off an injury You can't necessarily expect him to be in a hundred percent form, but um I, I do think he'll I think he'll go back to his old to his old uh, form. But another player that I did not like this week is Travis Etienne. Um, Etienne was drafted uh, pretty early. I know before his ADP was before James Robinson, but James Robinson proved today that he is the RB one on the Jaguars. He got much more production, much more. Uh, he was just a lot more effective, um, and I think moving on, he will be the RB1, and I really thought ETN's ADP was pretty high.
0: Everyone kind of expected a Travis Etienne master class. You know, oh, he, he's the number one. He's number one. James Robinson's in the past. It really shows that James Robinson is not going anywhere. And he's 100%. Still, he's still at a, at a very good running back And that at best I see a, a committee this year ETN maybe getting eight carries Robinson might getting 10. Maybe it's flip-flopped, but I don't really see either of them Having an exceptional season.
1: Yeah, and you know once again as a Jaguars fan I really wanted Travis to do well And I feel like Peterson needs to find a place where ETN can shine because I think running back or Yeah running back is locked down James Robinson, you know he was in the NFL top 100 a couple of years ago as a rookie and then he got injured and everyone's like, oh, all right, ETN time. And then James Robinson just comes right back and he looks like the James Robinson of old.
0: Yeah, I, I see James, not James Robinson. I see Travis ETN, at least for this year, kind of fitting into that JD McKissick role of James Robinson is going to be the back, the main back, but Travis Etienne is going to be catching the ball a lot more. He's going to be, a lot of the screen plays might be going to ETN. I just see James Robinson is kind of through the backfield. Running back while ETN is going to be catching the ball out of the backfield and maybe even some downfield routes like we saw yesterday
1: Yeah, and you know, they've been trying to work him out at wide receiver a lot in camp like there's so many because he's such a dynamic guy There's so many places he can play just for right now that primary running back role. I think the Jaguars have that filled.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think Travis ETN is kind of proving to be one of the consequences of the urban Meyer era at Jacksonville I thought drafting Etn was a big mistake um, in the first place, just because they already had James Robinson, who had just previously balled. Um, and I think Etn has is a, has a very high ceiling uh, going forward. Not nec- not just like fantasy wise, but as a f- like general football player. So where I think on a team like maybe the Miami Dolphins. Um, You know if he got drafted to the Dolphins, he could be a very effective player Um, That was kind of uh, open running back room um, where he could be Kind of like a Christian McCaffrey. He's a solid runner, but also is great out of the backfield
1: Yeah, and then just one final guy who I just you know It's kind of the elephant in the room at least for his position of a guy who just disappointed this week was Kyle Pitts he just two receptions 19 yards three point nine fantasy points, just when he you're supposed to be like the next great tight end, kind of kinda of after that Trevor Lawrence thing of just like you're supposed to be a generational guy and then you're just you're back to your ways of old of just not producing. Even last year, one touchdown all season, that's that's unacceptable for a guy. You take number four overall and he's pegged as the next great tight end. And I'm just I'm disappointed by him in a very severe way.
2: Yeah, uh hundred percent. And I think that might be a result of the QB change with Marcus Mariota. Uh he seemed to target some some other players like uh Oamid Zach Z- Z- G- Z- and <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that guy's <laughs> yeah, last Z- name. Gais. And then also Cordero Patterson had quite a bit of production. Uh but also can we talk about Cam Akers donut real quick? I mean that was uh that was fairly disappointing considering his ADP was like third round. Yeah. I just I think McVay
0: must have had some kind of decision where he thought Henderson was better. Akers must have had a bad offseason. You know, he had a bad end of the year last year, and it's it's obvious that Henderson's the guy, and McVay's McVay's all in on Hammerson, and Cam Akers is going to have a small little role.
2: Yeah, Akers only had three carries for zero yards. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I would like to take this opportunity, if you guys don't mind, to move into our next section of the buy high, sell low, because this connects to it, I think Acres is a guy you should buy low. I oh my goodness. After after this abysmal week, I think his stock is at an all time low. I think now is the time to trade him, you know, for one of your bench guys who maybe had a solid week or you know, you can get away with a lot of things because I think Acres owners are just pissed off right now. And they're they're not gonna be starting him after that. Like I, I think it's a really good time to buy low on Acres. Don't start him this week, obviously, right? You just saw what what he did but he's a guy who you know once he starts to get some momentum maybe you start to see McVay put him in more i think he could be a really good running back because he has been in the past and so yeah that's my pretty hot take i feel like after this week but i think acres is a great buy low
0: i could see a world where that could work out especially henderson you know he's not that durable he goes through injuries but you could put cam makers in the starting role It's not like something happened with Akers. It's not like he made a big fumble or he messed up a big play. It was like from the first snap, Henderson was the guy, which is what worried me. It's like McVay was confident. It's not like something – yeah, like I said, nothing happened to Akers. It just kind of shows that next week I don't see anything really changing, and I don't really really see buying low on Akers as a good
2: idea. Yeah, I agree. I mean, only getting three carries is – it's it's one thing if he was getting ten or twelve attempts and just had a really poor uh, performance yardage wise, but he only had three attempts and I mean, literally did not gain any yards for the Rams. And um, one of the one of the players I have for buying low is uh, Derrick Henry. He scored seven fantasy points this week. Uh, he had a bad game coming off an injury, um, but. He had 21 attempts, and the yards and touchdowns will come. We know, I mean, just last year, Derrick Henry was leading the league in rushing yards. I think he's going to return to that form personally. And um, I think currently uh, Derrick Henry owners are a little disappointed. Um, so you might um, might be able to get away with a trade for an undervalued Derrick Henry right now.
0: Someone I'm buying low on is T. Higgins. Ooh. T. Higgins... Is, was an exceptional receiver last year. Almost the same stats as Jamar Chase, besides a few weeks where Jamar just completely went off. T. Higgins has always been consistently good. And he had a little bit of a weird week, only getting 4.7 points just because he had a head injury. It's, not, it's very minor. He's expected to be back this Sunday. But T. Higgins' owners, after drafting him in the third and fourth round, after dropping four points, are not happy. So if you can buy low on T. Higgins and have him in your lineup For Probably the next 15 weeks. He's never really been an injury prone receiver besides this. It would be an awesome buy
1: Uh, yeah, I guess Yeah, I like that take a lot more than vigs a second ago. I think the derrick henry take is just the idea of buying low on derrick henry is I feel like just a little unreasonable because no owner who has henry is just gonna go out and sell him right now like even for undervalue like they they know he's still Derrick Henry and you know that's why I like I like Blake's take because Higgins is someone you can buy low on right now you know injury had a poor week acres you know very very low on him like but you know Henry's just he's still Derrick Henry and you know while I definitely have seen him become more human and while I've definitely seen him regress this year I just I don't see any fantasy owner who took a you know probably mid first round pick with him just going out and selling him for cheap
2: I mean, I'm not saying Derrick Henry's going to go for for chop for chop liver, <laughs> but I mean, I think you could trade like an RB two and a flex for him, right? Like a good RB two, maybe someone like um, I don't know who's who's uh, a good RB two, like who's like a good RB two or something. Yeah, I think I think you could trade Fournette and a guy like Brandon Cooks for it's a pretty good trade actually for Derrick Henry, right? I mean. Where all right, all right. so where a Derrick Henry uh owner last year would be demanding like Justin Jefferson and Leonard Fournette at least for Derrick Henry's production.
0: You know, Cole brought up a point a couple minutes ago and I kept quiet just because I have this player at a different spot. I have buy low on Kyle Pitts. What? <laughs>
1: Whoa. Well,
2: okay. Wait, actually, okay, Let's,
1: I didn't yeah. I didn't put him as a <laughs> I said I was disappointed in his week one performance. I didn't say I wouldn't buy low. I like that take, but I was just saying I was disappointed in his production.
2: Also, listeners have to Wait, wait, no,
1: no, no. Let Blake (laughs) explain, because I feel like he has a good point to be made here.
0: Kyle Pitts was disappointing, I will say it. It scares me a little bit with Mariota. It seems like he's just targeting these little quick receivers who are 10 10 yards down the field and not looking deep for Kyle Pitts. But at the same time, Kyle Pitts had a game where they only had two catches. But he also had seven targets, and it seemed like he was never involved. Like I was watching the game. I was like, where is Kyle Pitts? But yeah, he still had seven targets, which shows me that in a game where Kyle Pitts is catching the ball, seven targets is literally his floor. I imagine I'm getting seven targets every week, and I know that those deep bombs to Kyle Pitts are going to land. He's an exceptional route runner. He's an exceptional catcher. And those touchdowns are also going to land. I see him having a little bit of a slow start, but I know for a fact Kyle Pitts is going to be a top five tight end this year.
2: Wow, that's a, uh, that's a bold take. That's something we will definitely revisit at the end of the year. But, I mean, I think our it's fair for our listeners to know that uh, Blake really, really, really loves Kyle Pitts. He's kind of gay for him. Yes, it's a little sus for Kyle Pitts. It's been a thing for a while. Yeah, um, but not to expose Blake or anything. But um, another player I have by low well on is Hunter Renfro. I know we were talking about Devontae Adams' crazy production, but Hunter Renfro still had seven targets, which I think is kind of a floor for him. And is the clear wide receiver too on the Raiders. And his production and um and uh touchdowns are only gonna increase and they will come. So I would stay patient on uh Hunter Renfro if I'm a Hunter Renfro owner, but if you do do uh see someone who is willing to Get rid of Renfro, I would pick him up.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I played against him this week. He was rather lackluster, but in watching that Chargers game, you know, they were trying to get it to him on a number of occasions. So I, I I like that take of, you know, buying low on Renfro. But someone who I'd like to sell high on. If you have this guy on your team right now, but I think now's the time to trade him away for the best value you're ever gonna get for him. Cordero Patterson 100%
0: oh, I just don't know I keep wanting to say that but this Falcons offense is just you can never predict it that's what I'm saying about Kyle Pitts
1: so that's why I'm saying sell high on Patterson that this offense is going to vary this offense you know is very like lackluster in other areas very it, young too but then Patterson had a great week so now sell him away like get the value you can maybe get a night get a solid flex get a wide receiver too or you know, maybe get an RB2. Because, you know, Patterson, after this week, he's got quite a bit of value. People are like, oh, he's a great receiving threat, and Mariota loves him. Sell him. He's not going to keep this up. I don't see him doing this for much longer. You know, I think last season was a fluke. I think this week one was, again, kind of just like a, eh, like, you know, he got some, like, big plays. He got a few targets from Mariota. So with that value he currently has, I would sell him and get, you know, a haul of players or even just one player who would you would never be able to get for Cordell Patterson?
2: I just, Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I could not agree more with that take. I had him down as one of my so high players. Um, his sustainability is low. He tends to be very, very like before last season, he tends to get injured quite a bit. And, um, even last year, he started to slow down towards the end of the year. So his playoff value and late playoff pushes, uh, I would not be counting on Cordell Patterson. Maybe he could sustain this level of uh, play for the first six weeks, but um, I don't see I don't see him putting up 20 points uh, any like consistently after that.
0: I kind of
2: disagree
0: with both you guys. What? I was always trying to be low on Patterson. Like, why is he doing so well? He's been in the league for 10 years. He's done nothing. How come all of a sudden he's good? But I just don't know if it's slowing down. It's not like Patterson had one catch for 75 yards and a touchdown this week. He had 22 carries. That's like the same amount as Derrick Henry. I mean, obviously, they want to implement him in this offense. And another thing I have that's a problem with Kyle Pitts, and it's a problem with Drake London, and it's bothering me, is that Mariota is not a pocket passer. He's always in trouble, scrambling out. So he's not throwing it 50 50 yards down the field to the twin towers of the deep bomb. He's throwing seven yards to Cordell Patterson.
2: Yeah, I mean he can be good, but I mean, just kind of going off, uh, uh just kind of like a side thought. I thought Mariota played pretty good for for being back as QB one for the uh, for the first time in a while. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he played pretty good. I mean, he had zero touchdowns thrown, but at the same time, he he played good. He rushed the ball well. He had a rushing touchdown. I just I'm just hoping that this Falcons offense can get it to the real playmakers which is not Cordell Patterson, but I do think he's going to play well because they always give it to him.
2: Yeah, he he seemed pretty good. Uh, Another player I have on my sell-high list is Kareem Hunt. Um, He's generally pretty inconsistent throughout the year. I'm a Browns fan, so this is tough for me to say. He balled uh, last game, but he's very touchdown dependent. He had two TDs, um, but when you look at his rushing and receiving stats, he only had 40 rushing yards and 25 receiving that is not a sustainable running back right there. I would sell him high while you can.
1: Yeah, I I really like that take. And, you know, following up with that cuz, you know, I had Kareem on my sell high list. I think now is the highest he's ever going to be. Yeah. You know, big week 1, everyone's like, "Oh, you know, like him and Chubb are a dynamic duo." I I really think Chubb is the main back there and I think everyone most people would agree. And I just I don't see cream being that guy there to the point where you would justify like keeping him around past, you know, right now. Like it's like, it's like the stock market. Like he's at an all time high. Do not wait for him to get to the point where he's just Chubb's backup. Cause that is when you're going to want to sell him and you're not going to get any value for him.
0: I, yeah, I agree in some aspects, but it's also weird that when Nick Chubb is healthy, it seems like cream hunt also plays better and gets more points And this offense that with Brissett, who's not great at throwing the ball down the field, Nick Chubb is obviously the one who's the main running back. But Kareem Hunt is getting a lot of receiving threat. And he's really good at getting in the goal line. So I think Kareem Hunt is someone who is skeptical to be started, but is someone that you should keep on your bench. Fair enough. Um,
2: Okay,
1: you know what, Blake? Since we've been having a few disagreements here there, I'm going to throw something out there that I think you might agree with. Ties into our next segment of waiver wire
0: ads. Uh
1: I really like Dontrell Hilliard. Really, really like Dontrell
0: Hilliard. I do too. I mean, it's just another level of this Nick Chubb cream hunt thing. I mean, Derrick Henry never catches the ball. It's not like, oh, he catches a couple. He doesn't. It just doesn't happen. Derrick Henry runs through the tackles. That's it. Dontrell Hilliard is listed as a running back, but he was playing great out of the slot. He was playing in the receiving. He got two touchdowns. He looked great. He was explosive. I think Dontrell Hilliard is someone you can for sure pick up on waivers, and he could be really useful, yeah, even when Derrick Henry's playing.
1: Put up 22 points. Like, that's that's a solid stat line for a guy who's the quote-unquote backup there. Like, I, I could see him really making a big difference in that Titans offense and in fantasy this year.
2: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, he got a pretty good – like, he got decent production for being an RB2. Definitely that uh, – Receiving upside is there. Um, one of the waiver wire ads that I had is DeAndre Carter. I don't know if any of you guys were watching the Chargers game, but Justin Herbert seems to love this guy, and his production and targets are only gonna increase now that Keenan Allen is injured. He had he may have only had three receptions, uh, on four targets, but he is clearly a deep bomb threat. Okay. This guy can score touchdowns. He had a touchdown. Um, I think this guy is a super sweeper. And get this, he's only 0.1% rostered in leagues across the nation. Another person that I want to bring up as a waiver wire Ad is Curtis Samuel.
0: Ooh, You guys got to remember that two years ago, when he was on Carolina. Curtis Samuel was an exceptional receiver. I mean, he, was, he kind of had that Debo Samuel role before it was popular. He ran the ball. He caught the ball. He was great close. He was super fast. He's really good in open, open field. Curtis Samuel had 11 targets on that, on that commander's offense, which is not that great. And he had four runs. I mean, Curtis Samuel has massive upside, especially with that 11 targets. I mean, if we can see half of that and still getting running, his running upside, he's going to be touching the ball eight or nine times every single game. And I think it can be really, really important to people's fantasy teams.
2: I love Curtis Samuel. He's an ex-Ohio uh, State Buckeye. Yeah. He made one of the most clutch plays in Ohio State history, won the game against Michigan in uh, 2016. What an absolute G.
1: Yeah, I like that take. I like that Devo Samuel Jr. comparison. Following up with like you know a guy who's in the run game, Isaiah Pacheco the current backup for the Chiefs. He had a pretty solid game had 12 and a half points Put up a touchdown in that game. I really like him, you know I think Mahomes and him could be a good good deal. He's a seventh round pick He's young, you know, he's gonna take some time but late in the year I could really see him starting to get even a bigger role in that offense
2: I think that's a that's a fair assessment even in dynasty leagues. He might be a good pickup um Another waiver wire ad that I had is Julio Jones. If you if uh, he's still available on the waiver wire in uh, your guys' leagues, I would pick him up. Um, he only had five targets, but uh, like I said with DeAndre Carter, it's only going to increase now that Chris Godwin is injured. Um, and he proved last night to be a deep ball target for Tom, and it's only 43% rostered, so I would pick him up. Julio played a great game, but another person that I want to bring up,
0: who's rostered in some leagues, thirty-five percent of leagues, but if you're if he's not rostered in your league, he has to be picked up, is Jamal Williams. Mm. Mm. I know DeAndre Swift is the clear RB one, but Jamal Williams gets every red zone carry. He had two touchdowns, and he hardly even ran the ball. I mm. mean, if he can just get those touchdowns every game when they get in the red zone, it he's going to be exceptional in fantasy.
2: Yeah, I mean. The only thing I don't like about Jamal Williams is that he's very touchdown dependent. I mean, that's all he is. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, yeah, but, I mean, so I wouldn't start him. Maybe he's a good flex option against, like, a bad defense. But, I mean, if, if like, if Jared Goff can't get the ball down the field into the red zone, then his uh, fantasy production's kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean, I
0: see what you're saying. And when I say pick him up on waivers, I'm not saying that he could be in any way a starter. Yeah just like a solid bench yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a solid yeah. bench guy yeah. and also like like we saw yesterday when the Lions are in these close games, these high scoring games, when they're in the red zone, I can almost guarantee Jamal Williams is going to get a touchdown. It's just the way the offense works under Dan Campbell. So I see him as someone maybe if you have some injuries, you can put him in and he might get 11 12 points off a touchdown and a couple carries. But that's good. That's all you want.
1: Yeah. And following up you two on, you know, guys who might be pretty touchdown dependent, but you know, can make a pretty big difference. Devin Duvernay mm. but for the Ravens, he had a big day. And, you know, he put up how many points? Let me see. 21 and a half. Yeah. I, I think that's that justifies being picked up in at least half of leagues, right? Yeah. Like a guy like that. And you know what? Maybe he doesn't pan out for the season. Maybe this was just like a big one game. But you know what? Maybe he works out. And that's why I'm suggesting look at him on the waiver wire. Pick him up. See where he's going, you know?
2: Yeah, fair enough. And um that kind of concludes our um Oh, wait. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, I have someone else I want to bring up. It's Kyle Phillips. Oh.
0: Kyle Phillips uh. was, a, <laughs> was a late round draft pick out of UCLA this year. Kind of got that Hunter Renfro build, white boy in the slot. <laughs> I didn't really expect much from this him, you know. Saying. <laughs> Is that not something I could say? <laughs> it's, I fine. Know, it's, Just fine. it's fine. Just keep going. Keep going. I honestly <laughs> didn't expect that much from him, you know. Robert Woods, you got Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook, Akina, but he had nine targets yeah. in this last game, and it kind of made me think that Tannehill, especially with this new O line that's really not that good. Taylor Lewan did not look good. The Giants were rushing all over them. Tannehill's needing to get the ball out quickly, and Kyle Phillips is great short route. He's a really good route runner. Like I'm saying, like Hunter Renfro. And I see that nine targets as really a shadow for the whole year. He could get that many targets every game with some upside, just like Renfro to maybe get some touchdowns.
1: Yeah. And so just before we finish up here, we have a surprise segment where we will review one of your fan trades and we give our thoughts on it. So today's trade was sent to us by a fan named Spida Ethan and it was AJ Dillon and Hunter Renfro for Stefan Diggs and Rondale Moore.
2: That is so Who bad. wins it? That is so bad. The person who was receiving Stefan Diggs I don't think it's absolutely so fleeced the other man. That was so <laughs> terrible. Oh my goodness.
0: Obviously, Stefan Diggs, you know, Ethan got the, the better hand of this, but I don't think it's so bad, especially at John's team. He, ne- he really needed a running back. <laughs> <And he laughs> Who's needed- John? <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: Just keep going, keep going.
0: He needed a running back, and he needed someone who was consistent. And even though A.J. Dillon's a backup, A.J. Dillon gets points. He gets in the end zone. He has some receiving upside.
1: Renfro could be good. And
0: Renfro
2: is not great. He could be whoa, all right. Whoa, 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 Renfro is a buy low kind of guy, okay? This uh, is a,
1: this now, is, you're now you're just counterproductive. Now you're just overpaying for him. You're paying Stephon no. Diggs for this guy. Well, well, that's side. what I'm that's saying. saying. That is a high yeah. high. Well,
2: yeah, that's why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying. It's a oh, yeah, bad right. trade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean... Andrew Renfro is not the same guy as Stefan Diggs. Let's all be honest. He never has been, never will. But um, that kind of wraps up our uh, NFL segment. But I know uh, me and Blake and uh, Cole, we wanted to talk about college football. Just give brief reactions real quick. We didn't really uh, prepare anything. What did you guys think of this weekend?
1: Penn State is back, baby. We are going to the natty. Hashtag we are All right, all that. Ohio stood no chance against us. Purdue stood no chance against us. Natty's right now.
2: (laughs) Sean Clifford is just, he's dog. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. Sean Clifford has never, he has never been that guy. But let's talk about some top 10 upsets. I mean, three FCS schools beat FBS schools this week. Um, Notre Dame lost to Marshall. That's not an FCS school. It's an Well, yeah. The, Notre yeah, Dame is such an L well, football yeah. school. They, okay, <laughs> no. Can I just so say something? Terrible. They've never won a big game so in terrible. my entire life. I'm honestly <laughs>
0: confident in that. Like, they're always like fifth ranked, sixth ranked. They get pounded by the first, second, third ranked team every year. And it's they, it's a joke yeah, at this point. They,
2: they, are, they are overrated going into the year every single time. And also Texas A&M lost. Not a team. After week one, I was super high on... Um How about Texas? Great performance by Texas. I think with I think with Quinn Ewers they could have won that game.
0: I completely agree. I mean, I was really, really impressed with Texas. I mean they had Alabama on their heels most of the game. Yeah. Even when Quinn Ewers was out, the Texas defense looked great. Even with Card injured at quarterback, they still put up a great game. Yeah. I mean, you know, Alabama fans are, you know, horns down and all that BS. I mean, Texas played great and they could have literally won that game. So did,
2: did you see that video of Saban's uh, reaction to yeah, the he was
0: enraged. That, that was so yeah, funny. He, he
1: knows they didn't deserve to win that game. So the idea that you're going to go ahead and try to taunt them after an unranked team almost upset you as the number one team. Yeah, yeah I think Saban's reaction is pretty pretty justified there. Yeah,
2: 100%. And uh, for a program like Alabama and, uh, and a guy like Nick Saban, you know that... Um, whoever they play this week, they are going to cover. So if you are a better, I would hammer Alabama to cover their line. I don't know what it is. They're probably playing some really bad school, but uh, I would guarantee that they are going to cover.
0: And this also just implements that Bryce Young is that guy. I mean. He played really well. So calm under pressure. He's so composed. He's so calm in the pocket. And his offense is not as good as the usual Alabama offense. The receivers are all right. Yeah, I mean
2: receiving core is not that good. Yeah,
0: I mean, Bryce Young like a lot of doubters, he's not that big. Bryce Young is that guy and he's a really good quarterback and I honestly think he is a
2: rookie ready QB1 starter on an NFL team. Yep. And uh real quickly, who do you guys have your four playoff teams this week? I got uh I got Alabama, um Ohio State, Georgia, Ohio State, and I think this fourth team is kind of up for grabs. But I think it could be a one loss Michigan.
1: Yeah. So I think we're all in agreement on the at least current one, two, three being Georgia, Bama, O State. Yeah. Right. So my fourth team, who, you know, I'm obviously, you know, I'm a big Penn State guy, but I got to agree with Michigan is the way to go here. You know, a team that I think is kind of a sleeper. And if they're able to upset Alabama, could maybe make it in is Tennessee. I've been really impressed with Tennessee. But, you know, that, what they play Alabama October fifteenth. They win that game and, you know, they continue to win out like they have been. I could see them maybe sneaking in there. I, I like that team.
2: I, I'm I'm gonna change my uh take real quick. I completely forgot about USC. The that that offense looks incredible. Their defense is pretty dog, but um the only thing holding them back is their schedule. But I think there's definitely a world where a path queers for an undefeated usc to make it into the playoffs i could see that
0: happening i went to the usc game last weekend against rice their offense looked exceptional their defense looked mediocre but they, the defense looked better this week their, their their schedule is just so easy i mean we'll see how it goes against utah but if they were to sneak in i feel like they might just get pounded yeah I, 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 yeah you know what this saying? is
1: not a team that i like cincinnati last year was like the same it's like you know, they go undefeated. Like, you kind of got to put them in. like Because, like, you know, you're going to get crap for it if you don't. Yeah. But, you know, you put USC, you know. It's Sunday, Ohio State or something. Send them down south, play <laughs> Alabama. They're going to get rolled. Yeah. Like, that is, it's not even going to be fun. Their
0: defense does not have the firepower. they they just going to get smoked by CJ Shroud and Bryce Young. I mean, they're for sure going to make the 12-team playoff. It's going to happen. I just, I they might get pounded.
2: Yeah, Alex Grinch is one of the, I think, one of the worst defensive coordinators for a major school in um yeah in uh, in college football
0: oh um well that's gonna conclude this episode of the bi-week podcast thank you so much for watching episode two and we'll be back here next week live out from blake shield quinn kyle and cole roberts peace
1: peace